Well, this morning's sermon, you would think, okay, what are we doing for graduation? Well, the title of my message is, You Are What You Eat. <laughs> and you think, what on earth does that have to do with graduation? Well, there are a number of things that we eat besides food. <laughs> and that there are, there are attitudes, there are perspectives, that there are negative things and there are positive things. And what we consume, <laughs> what we consume has a way of being, coming out as to who we are. So if you, you know, garbage in and garbage out. Blessings in, blessings out. Good in, good out. You find that what's, the scripture says, whatever a person sows, plants in the ground and the soil of life, he will also reap. So we find that we reproduce what we are. We reproduce who we are. And that's why when Christ is in our hearts and lives, we are reproducing who Jesus is, that we are following him and we are following his word. Now, if you ever listen to any of the uh, channels of infomercials, there's always someone on there with a new diet, <laughs> with a new formula, with uh, new vitamins, <laughs> that someone always trying to influence you to do or to eat or to take something. And if you take this, you will receive something from it. It's almost like magic. You will lose. The, the weight will just feather away. I would like to have one of those diets, but I haven't found one. But uh, so there is, um, well, did you ever notice how many articles, if you go through the grocery store line, there's all those books and whatever, weekly, monthly magazines, and how many of them have diets on them? How many of them have um, rituals on them? How many of them are trying to change and influence how and what you eat and how and what you act and trying to present to you some type of new, new idea that will make you better and take you places that you could never go without this pill, without this diet without this whatever. Well, whenever I think of, and whenever I was thinking of this scripture, I was thinking of the idea of how that, this, how that the Bible tells us that we are to eat the word. <laughs> and, you know, and the, the imagery that we have is we take a piece of paper and shove it in our mouth and we eat it, you know. Well, let's read, I have a couple of different scriptures. If you want to know, I'll give you my outline, okay. I have a number of scriptures that talk about consuming the word, and then I have some stories that go along with this idea of going somewhere and for graduation. So this is primarily about you two. <laughs> this is my sermon for you. Uh, so the rest of you can join in because you need to be here too. So all right. Revelation chapter 10 verse 9 says, So I went out to the angel and told him to give me the small scroll. And he said to me, take the scroll and eat it, which is, which is a symbol of internalizing the word, okay? So, the, you know, this is in the book of Revelation and so on. It's in heaven, and the, they're talking about these things at the end time. And he, anyhow, he's telling the people, take, he wants the small scroll and that he is to eat it, to internalize what the word is. It will be sour or bitter in your stomach because it's messages of judgment. So there is a... I think of it in the context that there's, there's kind of a gnawing thing about the end of judgment. 
Well, we know that everyone will stand before God. We know that all, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But for the righteous, for those who are gods, the, the, the judgment is more of a reward ceremony where we are rewarded for what we have allowed Christ to do in our life. And of course, the other judgment is for those who have totally rejected God and, you know, they will spend an eternity without him. But that's not the message. The message is about the word and how that the word of God is internalized in our life. I mentioned in Sunday school how that Billy Graham, that part of his daily devotions were to read the Psalms and read the Proverbs and then read the other portions of the scriptures, the other portions of the Bible. And he felt that it was so important to understand the logic that comes from the book of Proverbs and understand the provision that comes from the book of Psalms. And the book of Psalms are the songs that the Israelites used to sing. So they were the, mo they were the modern songs of, of the time. So whenever we are taking the word of God, we are allowing the word of God to shape and to mold our lives. So there's, whenever we're talking about diets, you are what you eat, what are they trying to do? They're trying to mold a person's life after some idea, after some pill or diet or something in order to reshape who we are. While the word of God is recreating, as it were, creating us anew from the inside, that God is renewing our right spirit within us, that God is giving us a provision that is not only good for today and tomorrow, but it's good for eternity. It's a lifeline. You know, that's a show somewhere where you, do you want to use your lifeline? <laughs> yeah? What's your lifeline? Well, our lifeline is Jesus Christ. Ta -da, I got a hold of him, <laughs> and I'm good for eternity. So if I'm good for eternity, I'm good for today. Then Jeremiah says, in Jeremiah 15, 16, he says, your words came to me. And it's like, your words were found. I found your word. You know, I, I like the idea. Um, sometimes we think that we found God. No, we opened our eyes and then God was already there. So God is always there. He can never, we can never be anywhere that God is not. I like in creation, I never noticed this until recently, it said that God created the heavens and the earth, okay? And the earth was without form and void and he moved upon the earth in one of the parts of creation. But there was darkness. It was total darkness and then God created light. That God, darkness and light are the same to God. There is no darkness in God. So when we are in the dark places of our life, God is there because there is no dark places that God cannot be. So though your words came to me and I listened carefully, I ate them. <laughs> I internalized the word. Your words made me very happy. Your words were a delight to my heart because I am called by your name. I am called by God's name. Zach and Tyler, that's your names, right? Unless I'm wrong. <laughs> that's your names, but God has called you by your name. Individually. The, we, we looked at the 23rd Psalm this morning in Sunday school, and it says, the Lord is my shepherd. 
meaning each one of us is able to say, God is my shepherd. It doesn't say that God is a shepherd of all people. He is a shepherd of each one of us individually. And he guides us, he protects us in the green pastures, he leads us through the different trials of life and the deserts of time, and through the shadows of sorrow and grief, God will lead us to green pastures. Doesn't say that there are no dark places, it says that in those dark places, God will lead me. So what, I've, what we're doing whenever we read that, we are internalizing the word. We are eating the word, the scripture. And we're internalizing it so that it is a provision for our soul in this life. And if it's good in this life, it is magnificent in the life to come. Because there we will be with the Lord in eternity. Psalm 119, verse 103 your promises are sweet to me. They slip and slide <laughs> down the palate of my, of my life. <laughs> they slip and slide, and it's like I eat, I consume the word, and it becomes part of me. Your word is inside of me. It forms my life, and it directs my path. The psalmist, or excuse me, the John, the, in his gospel, he writes, those who eat or feed on my flesh, and drink my blood, have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. So we find that, as what we mentioned before, Jesus was telling the disciples that the bread and the wine represent my broken body and my shed blood. And he's telling them these things with, uh, Jesus knows what's going to happen, but his disciples still have to figure it out. And John later on writes this, he says, my flesh is true food and my blood true drink that we are consuming the word. Jesus said, or John says of, of Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And, and basically says, I held him. John says, I held Jesus. I held the word. I held the eternal God who came to be one with us. I held him. So in our walk with God, God is saying to us, not only is he holding us, we are holding him. Whenever we take the word and we allow the scriptures to become part of our life, we allow the word to form who we are. We allow the word to give direction to what we should look at and what we should listen to and the direction we should plan for our life. Verse, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, I am writing to tell you that you must not associate with those who, are, who call themselves believers in Christ, but who sin sexually or who, or who are greedy or worship idols or abuse others with slander or get drunk or cheat or swindle people. Do not even eat with those people. So we're looking at how that the word God becomes part of us and it gives us a direction as to even who we should associate with and how that we should uh, keep ourselves separate from people, not participate. Doesn't mean we don't rub shoulders with them in work or in school or wherever we go. We rub shoulders with them, but they are not our companions or they're not our, the people that we associate with. So, so Paul is telling us that when the word is in you, when the word is in you, 
It is a way of giving you hope in this life, giving you direction for today, and he is giving you blessings. Blessings. His blessings will be upon your life. So the way that you treat others has a great impact on how much the blessings of our, and the favor of God is upon your life. So we, we, we're not just caught up in doing these things. We are caught up in living them, and as we are blessing others, we find that blessing comes back. Um, one, I was trying to remember uh, John Maxwell quote. He, he writes on leadership, but it uh, just slipped my mind. It just slipped. Fell right out of my head. <laughs> so, those are the scriptures that I wanted us to look at. But I, I wanted us also to think about, um, at Laurel View, where we live, they're going to put in a butterfly garden. And the butterfly and the caterpillar have long been an analogy for Christians and for how that, that we become something new. And the, the little bit about the butterfly, so you're going you're gonna to learn about butterflies now. Um, did you know that a, that a caterpillar is an insect? I didn't know that. The caterpillar is an insect. It has six eyes. They have six proper legs like all insects, but also have five pairs of stubby pro-legs. <laughs> so they could, you know, that's how they can move along like they do on the bottom and top and leaves and stuff. But anyhow, a butterfly lays an egg, and the egg is the size of a pinhead. And from that pinhead becomes this small insect called a caterpillar. And as soon as that caterpillar is born, it starts to eat. <laughs> I don't think anybody gave, put them on a diet. But anyhow, it starts to eat. And the first thing it eats is its shell or cystalis, whatever it's called, um, that it is born in. Um, the chrysalis, that it is. And uh, so it eats it, and it starts eating. Did you ever notice? If you ever followed, you know, we had one of those worms that was in our, on one of our plants. And, of course, I didn't know if it was a tomato plant or a flowering plant or something. So I saw this little worm out there, and I thought, well, a little worm. And uh, not a worm, a caterpillar, excuse me. I, I was corrected one time when I said worm. They're not worms, they're caterpillars. Worms are worms, that, you know, in the dirt, and caterpillars are caterpillars. All right. So anyhow, this caterpillar is on this plant on our back porch uh, at, at our home. And so it's just starting to eat, and it's just a little thing. Well, they eat continually for about 10 to 14 days. They do rest, but then they eat again. And they're constantly consuming. So I watched this little thing, about yay big, turn into this thing about four inches long. And almost all of the leaves on this plant are gone. And, and you know, me being the farmer that I am, well, kill the thing, <laughs> you know? You're not going to have any food left, you know? So it's, and I was hoping that it would turn and become a, a moth or a butterfly or something, and I thought I was all wrong, and dummy me, I killed this thing because I didn't want it to eat everything because my plant would die, and then where would I be? 
But what they do is they eat and they consume and they eat and they just get bigger and bigger and, and they eat for about 10 to 14 days. And then, challenge. Do you think the caterpillar ever dreams of something greater than crawling around? Do you think that a caterpillar ever dreams of being up in the sky? That there's something greater to their life than just eating leaves? You see, whenever we take the word of God in our life, we're not only eating it to shape and form our life, but there's something inside of us that God says, you are more than what you are right here now. You are greater than the sum total of all your experiences to this point in your life. There's something about you that is greater and there's something about you that is eternal. And that we dream of heaven, we dream of life beyond death, we dream of that there is an eternity and, you know, that's the word of God being birthed in us because Christ is eternal and he gives this idea of eternal. But what about a caterpillar? Does it ever dream? Wake up from the dream and says, I got to eat so I can fly. <laughs> what are you eating? What are you eating? <laughs> you know, that some of those plants that are now being legitimized and legalized in some parts of the country, that's what they're eating, you know? He's been smoking something. <laughs> So that's the only way a caterpillar can fly. <laughs> He's been just smoking something. Well, we don't smoke stuff that, you know, so just in case somebody misunderstands that. We don't smoke that stuff. We, I don't inhale. No, you don't smoke. <laughs> yeah, I don't inhale. I never inhaled anything, you know. Okay, we won't go to politics. But anyhow... We know that a caterpillar, it spins this cocoon, and it kind of moves inside of itself. And if you ever watch it on the internet, it's something how that they, they have these videos of how that this caterpillar, the caterpillar is a larva, meaning that it is the egg, as it were, of what is yet to come. <laughs> it, is, it is a form of what is yet to come but it doesn't look like the form that is yet to come. Like us. You don't look like you're going to live forever. In fact, you look kind of old. <laughs> this one little kid was sitting on Grandpa's lap and uh, says, Grandpa, did God make you? And he says, yeah, God made me. And Grandpa, did God make me? <laughs> and Grandpa says, yeah, he made you. And he, the little kid thought for a while and says, Grandpa, God's getting better at this, isn't he? <laughs> so we have this God is, you know, so we have this inside of it. And so this, it, it, it spins what is called a, what is it called? I have it written down here. But anyhow, it spins a cocoon. And there is a metamorphosis that takes place. Did you know if you take that cocoon and you cut it open, it's nothing but milk, some gooey stuff. There's no, there's no symbol of a caterpillar, and there's no symbol or nothing that rem, rem, reminds you of a butterfly. It's just remaking itself. Hmm. Sometimes in our life, we have to be remade. Now, we know that it happens 
when we are forgiven in Christ remakes us, we are new creation, new in Christ Jesus, all things, old things pass away, everything becomes new. There is this creation inside of us that the Holy Spirit makes of us through the word. And this creation in us, and we, you know, it's there, but we, we have to die to go on to eternity to be that person. But there is, there is life in this cocoon. But it doesn't look like anything just yet. But if you watch that cocoon, before the butterfly comes forth, it's clear. And you can see inside of that cocoon that there's something formed in there. And if you or I try to help the butterfly out, it won't live. It has to go through the struggle of pushing itself out of the cocoon in order for its wings to develop. And for it to have enough strength to fly, it has to break itself out of its own cocoon. In our life, there are cocoons that we have to break ourselves out of. There are things in life, but you see, how do I know that there's more to my life than just being a caterpillar? How do I know that there's more to my life than just being this cocoon? Why should I break out of who I am? Because there's something inside of us that says, this isn't all there is. There's more to your life and there's more to what's going on than what you see at this moment. So there is a struggle to break out of. And I didn't realize this, but there is blood in the wings of a caterpillar. Blood flow. Until it can get its strength and its wings in place, and then the, wing, and the blood in that dries up. And it becomes as light as air. And it flies off and starts to cycle all over again. So we are like caterpillars becoming butterflies. How long? I didn't put up a timer again, and I forgot how long I've been speaking. Uh, but anyhow, next story. Uh, is it too long? I, you don't know, okay. Somebody go like this whenever it's time, all right? Pastor, cut it off. Uh, so anyhow, the next story is this boy is walking through the woods, and he sees this egg come rolling in front of him. So he doesn't know where it is. He doesn't know where it came from, so he picks it up, and he takes it back to his farm and to the chicken, ch the chicken coop. Puts it in there where the eggs that they have that were hatching for new flock of chickens that they were hatching. So anyhow, this egg, put it there, and it hatches, but it's totally different than the other chickens in the chicken yard. And it's, it's going along, pecking and scratching, and it learned its, you know, habits of eating and so on from the other chickens, and all that it sees is chickens. <laughs> Don't have mirrors. <laughs> so it doesn't know how different it is than the other chickens, and the chickens, they just don't know any better, you know. Chickens are just peckers and scratchers. And if you get around people who are peckers and scratchers, leave, okay? You know, those, those are not, that's not what you're made to do, which is to be pecking at other people, establishing some type of hierarchy where there is a pecking order. If you get into a situation where there is a pecking order, that is not where Christ is. Because in Christ, we are all one in the body of Christ. And that we are, we are, celebrating others' success 
and we are weeping with those who weep. We are glad for people who succeed, and we're helping those who have difficulty getting there. So anyhow, this chicken that is a little different has, has different ideas because it's pecking and scratching, but it has ideas of flying. But nobody around flies. They just kind of flap their wings and scurry along and scratch and peck. But one day, it looks up in the sky where it thinks it, you know, dreams of being and sees this large bird flying, gliding. And it thinks to itself, that's where I need to be. And when the wind comes, it stretches out its wings and it catches the wings and up it goes and it's above the chicken coop. And it sees this bird and flies towards it and when it realizes it's the same as the one that is flying, he discovers that he's an eagle and not a chicken. And in our life, there's something inside of us that says that we're in a, if we're in a chicken coop, this, isn't, this, is where I'm, this is where I was born, but this is not who I am. And God is saying to all of us, this may be where you're at, but this, where you're at, but this isn't all there is. And as we take and we look at the scripture, there was a guy named Saul, King Saul. And Saul was a guy who was the first anointed king of Israel. But Saul, he did what was right for a while in the sight of God. But then he just kind of got into being king and he didn't need God anymore. And the prophet Samuel comes to Saul. He anointed him to be king, set him apart to be king. And Saul was tutored by Samuel to be a godly king. But Saul, he was listening to the people and he wanted to make the people happy. And Samuel comes to king and says, you know what? You're going to have a battle with this city. They are extremely wicked. They have been defying God and against God and you're going to go and you're going to defeat them and not one person is to be left alive and not one animal is to survive. It is so bad, they have to be totally eradicated. Now, we would say, well, that's not very godlike. Well, those things are like sin in our own life. You can't just half deal with it. You have to deal with the sin completely to get it away. So Saul goes to battle, and there are a lot of fine animals. And Saul says, well, don't kill them all. We can take them back to Israel. Well, don't kill the king. We can take him back and show him off that we defeated. And so Saul directly defied God's command and took the king, brought him back to Israel, took all the finest animals back to Israel. So everybody was saying, what a great guy King Saul is. Look what he is. He's beaten the king, and he has, he has uh, brought all these animals back, and we're going to be much better off because we have King Saul. And the prophet came to Samuel. Samuel came to King Saul and says, guess what, guys? The kingdom is no longer yours because you have rebelled against God and done what was right in the sight of men and not what was right in the sight of God. You see, in our life, there are things that we choose, and there is the Word of God that helps us, influences us in thinking and believing and who we associate with and who we don't associate with, and there are things that we do that are right in the sight of God, that make us important. The Bible says, 
He that is greatest among you is the servant of all. And whenever we think of leadership that God is calling us to, a great leader is someone who is over many people. And the person who is the greatest leader is the one who knows how to serve everyone. So you see, being president of the United States, he is the servant of all. (laughs) A congressman, a mayor, a CEO, a CFO of of of, of companies. They are people who are serving those underneath them. So we find that as we are greatest in serving, we rise to be the person that God has called us to be. Then there's one other guy. His name is David. Not me. (laughs) There's this guy named David. And David, Samuel, whenever King Saul had lost his throne, but he was still king, but God had removed, as it were, his presence from Saul. Samuel was told to go anoint a new king. And he was to go to the house of Jesse, do it secretly, because if Saul found out about it, he'd kill all the family. So he goes there secretly and goes to Jesse and says, bring your boys, bring your boys. One of them is going to be king. So Jesse brings his boys in, and I never heard this story until recently, put this way. And the anointing oil of the king, of this, excuse me, the anointing oil of Samuel was to be, to anoint one of Jesse's boys to be king. And so he takes his oil over the first and the biggest and the tallest, and he dumps it, but the oil doesn't come out. I said, well, you know, it must be one of the other five. Went through all five, and no oil came out. And Samuel says to Jesse, do you have any other boys? Oh, I got one more. It's David. He's nothing. He's the runt of the family. He'll never amount to anything. He's out watching the sheep. And Samuel says to Jesse, send somebody after him. And when David came in, this ruddy kid who had to watch sheep all day and fling his slingshot at birds and bugs and rocks, he comes in and brings him in, and Samuel turns the oil upside down, and it runs out upon David. God had chosen him to be king of Israel. Not today, but that anointing was on his life that someday he would be the king of Israel. And in our lives, God's anointing is upon us. His anointing is upon you too. (laughs) That you are anointed to be you and to be king of your life. So I want you to come. Zach, Tyler. Don't worry, I'm not going to dump it on you. (laughs) Get me a towel. This is going to be fun. (laughs) You know, but here we are. And know that God's anointing 
is on your life to be who you are and no one can take it from you. God's anointing is upon your life and no one can take it from you. The anointing that is for you cannot be given to anyone else. The anointing that is for you cannot be given to anyone else. It's yours to take you from here to eternity. From here to eternity. God has a calling for you and he has anointed you to be special. (laughs) To be special. Amen. You can go. Let's stand. What God has for your life cannot be transferred to someone else. It isn't someone else's blessing left over and given to you. What God has for your life is only for you. And God will give us the dreams. <laughs> he will give us like the, the eagle that's with the chickens. <laughs> There's something greater than this. And he will help us to break out of the cocoon that we will be able to fly and we've been a caterpillar too long and there's a dream inside of us and we have to break out of those things that surround us that are tough for us. But we'll have to break out and become what we were called to be. And that was a butterfly. It is a child of God. And we have God's name written on our lives. You're my child. And nothing will ever separate you from me. I will keep you. I will preserve you. I will guide you. I will be your helper. I'll be your sustainer. And nothing, nothing in heaven and earth can take away that anointing on your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Let your spirit, O God, your Holy Spirit, make it real to us that we are always safe in your presence. We're always blessed by you. And what we have is nothing in comparison to what we will be as we walk with you each day. We pray in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. Now we go downstairs and eat cake. (laughs) Give a handshake or a hug.